0: Man, I tell you what, uh, it's hard to top God speaking to our hearts after a song like that, reminding us of his goodness, even despite our cold hearts towards him sometimes. And yet, it is right and good, and, and we are called in Scripture to uh, open up God's word to the public reading of the Scriptures, to the proclaiming of the truth. In fact, uh, Paul says to to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, he did not cease from teaching them from from large group settings or house to house anything that is profitable. And so that's what we're doing this morning is we are opening up God's word. His spirit is attending to the proclaiming of his word that it might be profitable for our lives as we follow him. You know, I I wonder uh, what things in life surprise you. I'm sure there's a number of things that might come to mind. Uh, Here are some of the things that that I learned this past week that are surprising realities. Okay, number one, the world's oldest wooden wheel found in 2002 in Slovenia, they have measured to be 5,100 years old. Can you believe that? A 5,100 year old wheel. The Sudan, not Egypt, has more pyramids than any country in the world. When you think of pyramids, I think of Egypt. And I'm wrong. Okay? It's surprising to me. Uh, Another surprise is that delicious German chocolate cake was invented in Texas in 1957. It is disappointing. Uh, And a fun fact, by the way, uh, Texas Roadhouse was invented in Clarksville, Indiana. That's okay. I, I, I digress. Spanning over 2,300 miles, it takes a drop of water 90 days to travel the entirety of the Mississippi River. Isn't that insane? 90 days to go over 2,300 miles on the Mississippi. Uh, seriously, Japan has one vending machine for every 40 people that live there. They are known as the vending machine capital of the world. Things I didn't realize. Uh, One vending machine for 40 people. Get this, I wish our kids were in here to listen to this. At one point, McDonald's once made a bubble gum flavored broccoli that they served. Can you imagine? Oh, so many many pieces of gum those kids swallowed years later. Uh, More than Canada, the country of Scotland has 421 different words for snow. Isn't that interesting? Scotland has 421 different words for snow. There are lots of things. We could, we, I have a lot more we could keep going on. There are lots of things that are surprising in this world. But for Christians, Peter says that one thing that should not be surprising in our lives is suffering. What an odd thing to hit our ears this morning. Why should that not be surprising? Well, that's our goal this morning. It's to see why Peter would say that suffering should not be a surprise to Christians. And so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to the book of First Peter. We've been going through it, um, uh, really, uh, since March. And, and we are finishing up chapter 4. We're looking at verses 12 to 19 this morning. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. Inside your sermon notes, in the bulletin, is the passage that we're going to be looking at. So you can see everything that we're going to be looking at and as we're thinking about it. Remember, Peter, who is the author of this letter to Christians who are uh, various churches that are scattered around, is calling Christians to persevere in suffering because God has important purposes in it. And so in part one of the letter, verse chapter one through half of chapter two, Christians are called to salvation as exiles. And then in part two of the letter, we see that Christians are called to live as foreigners of this world to bring glory to God. And so now in part three that we're beginning here through the end of the letter, Peter is calling us to persevere in suffering. We are to persevere in it even though we experience it. Which makes a lot of sense why our verse of the series that we've been working on, diligently memorizing, that is a gem to our ears if we can have it in our hearts and in our minds when we go through suffering and we don't go, hey, what was that one verse that we read one time? No, but when we have committed it to our hearts and minds and we are ready to say it on our lips, it's going to help us in our suffering. So let's work on our verse uh, that we are putting to memory together that's first peter 5 10 it's on the screen let's say it out loud together here it is and after you have suffered a little while the god of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in christ will himself restore confirm strengthen and establish you what a good hope that is. Let me pray for us as we open up God's word. Lord, we pray that you would do that very thing in our lives. That, but that before we are restored, confirmed, and strengthened, and established, Lord, that we would recognize that we will probably, as Christians, suffer a little while. And yet, Lord, we pray that you would help us to entrust our very souls to you the faithful creator and that we would continue to do good in all that we do, even in the midst of suffering. Lord, would you do that good work in our lives and would you help us through First Peter 4 to look at that. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me give you a roadmap before we open up God's word that, that if there's something that you, that an emergency call happens and you have to leave the service, here's what we want you to walk away with, okay? If you remember nothing else, here's what I think is the purpose of what Peter's writing here? Here it is. Entrust your livelihood and joy to the God who created you, saved you, and is making you new, even in trials. That's what we want to walk away with this morning. That we can entrust our livelihoods and our joy to the God who created us, who has saved us in Christ, and is making us new. Even in trials, we can trust him to do that. And so let me read God's word for us here. I'm going to read verses 12 to 16, this first part that should be no surprise. And then verses 17 through 19, this household growth that Peter calls us to. Here's here's what Peter writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, Or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler yet if anyone suffers as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify god in that name right we all know when someone tells us that they have news to share and then they ask us to sit down we know it's big news right are are you standing or sitting right now when i'm about to tell you this when I'm about to discipline my own children, the first thing I do is I remind them that I love them and I want to help them. And I remind them of that because me disciplining them might seem to question the reality of my love. Peter has hard news for our ears and he begins by reminding us of who we are because of the hard news that's going to test that belief. Peter calls them beloved. Maybe you're reading the NIV that translates it as dear friends, but, but really the word agapitoi is a reference to beloved, ones who are loved, right? If you guys know the, the Greek word agape, right? That's literally, he's making that, that word love into a person. And he calls them beloved, they've been saved They are literally those beloved by God. And this hard news, but important news for our ears, is that fiery trials don't change God's love. Right? We often question, why do bad things happen to good people? And why would this happen to me? We are both surprised and often disheartened when tough things happen. But Peter says Christians shouldn't be surprised at fiery trials. When we think of loved ones, we expect them to not to hurt us, but to protect us. And so when something seems unpleasant in the moment, it's easy to begin to doubt a loved one's care towards us. But if we are surprised at these fiery trials, I think we would then have a distorted view of the Christian life. I think this is actually often connected to the prosperity gospel, right? God doesn't want you to be sick. God wants you to be rich. Uh, God doesn't want you to experience hardship. But Peter is saying that we should not be surprised at hardship. Jesus called us to take up our cross and follow him, not to take up our victory war horses. James even says something similar. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so as God's beloved Christians who experience suffering, they're not hated by god we're actually being equipped and trained up but if we're surprised at suffering i think we also have a distorted view of jesus if we primarily think of jesus in in the triumphal entry passage of him coming into jerusalem and people shouting hosanna or or Jesus as the guy who who flung over the money tables in the temple, or if we think of Jesus as primarily the guy who just healed every single disease out there, as someone that everyone liked, as the perfect son of God who never had a hangnail, then I think we'd be missing an essential part of Jesus. Jesus is called the suffering servant, isn't he? The anguish of going to the cross for sinners made Jesus sweat blood the night before. Jesus took on the full wrath of God against sin on himself until it was fully paid for. The Romans didn't even have to break Jesus' legs so that he'd suffocate on the cross because he had already died upon it. Jesus was beaten and scorned and mocked and hit and spit upon and hated by people who rejected him. And that same Jesus, whom we follow, who suffered, we are not greater than he is. And so, if our Christian life is without persecution at the moment, well, we can rejoice but we should know that it won't last if we are faithfully living out the kingdom of God among our family and friends and coworkers. We aren't to look for persecution and bring it upon ourselves unnecessarily. We aren't to sin and then suffer, but a key ingredient of the Christian life is being willing to suffer for the kingdom of God. But as we consider suffering as a Christian, for the kingdom of God, uh, notice how Peter describes it in our passage. Notice that Peter describes it as a fiery trial. The fire certainly refers to its intensity, but also to its purifying nature. Fire is not only hot, it's near impossible to control. Right? We might think that a fire is great in the fireplace, but it's terrible in the rafters of a house. Just ask the four acres. They know. Fires are quickly overwhelming and can't be fed enough. As we think about Peter describing these fiery trials, how do we not think of this fiery trial back in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament? We can't think, but remember Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, or more commonly known as Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for their commitments to God that put them into the fiery furnace. Their fiery trial did not seem temporary. It seemed to be the end. And unexpectedly, it wasn't. And yet they were resolute in their commitment to the living God. Peter also describes it as a trial trial not a permanent position right we like free trials when it comes to netflix and HelloFresh, uh, but we don't usually like the trials that god sends our way right like we don't get a coupon in the mail that says congratulations you get 12 months of trials from god at no charge right you know one of my favorite drives is is i-75 coming up from louisville up towards cincinnati Uh, because there's just these hills and trees everywhere. And then you come around this bend, and bam! The entirety of Cincinnati is right before your eyes. And it's surprising every time. And it's wonderful when you come around the bend. You see, oftentimes our circumstances are blocked. And and the hardship that, that, that we experience, and we forget to see what's coming ahead, and we forget to see God's work in our lives and his unfailing love. And so one of the most helpful things that another pastor shared with me in various times of difficulty is this. This too shall pass. Believer, your difficulty in trials will The conflict with family over values, it will pass. The pressure to succumb to societal beliefs, it will pass, believer. Don't mistake temporary trials for permanent positions. But instead, remind one another that salvation is for eternity. And that these fiery trials are but a momentary affliction. They are temporary. Remember the words of that song from last week? Let goods and kindred go This mortal life also The body they may kill God's truth abideth still His kingdom is forever not the trials not the hardship so beloved christian don't be surprised at fiery trials as though something strange were happening to you instead of being surprised rejoice peter says in verse 13 how can peter expect our response to be rejoicing literally being full of joy when we are experiencing suffering as a Christian. Because suffering isn't the worst of human situations. Being apart from God is actually worse. Right? People can live nice lives in this life. People can be wealthy. They can have great jobs. They can retire early. They can move to the Maldives. They can live in relative ease. But remember Jesus' warning in Matthew 6? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, being apart from God, even with money, is worse than suffering and being beloved by God. Being the bride of Christ. Because suffering is temporary. Being hidden in Christ, being the bride of Christ is forever. Forever. So if we suffer for our Christian faith, Peter says we actually share in Christ's sufferings. Not that we are somehow paying our payment for sin on a cross. That's not what he's referring to. He's saying that if we suffer in trials like Christ's, we will also rejoice and be glad when his glory is displayed in his return. God's kingdom is is forever. Therefore, we have a wonderful outcome ahead of us. It's just not necessarily immediately right now. So what types of suffering are we actually talking about? Okay, I don't think we're actually primarily talking about death. In verse 14, Peter mentions insults for bearing the name of Christ, being disregarded simply because you're a Christian. So if you, if as a Christian you're being mocked for your care of God's word by your family, if you're being insulted as a Bible thumper or being called immoral for your care of babies still in the womb, or if you're called being a bigot for God's definition of marriage, this might be common in our day also. But when that happens, not only should you not be surprised, you are actually blessed for being named with because it's evidence that the spirit of god is on you evidenced that you are a christian suffering because you murdered someone suffering because you stole something or and got caught suffering because you're a troublemaker isn't joyful because those are the things that are against the spirit that freed us from our slavery to sin so that we could love one another in the first place Suffering is usually something that we like to keep quiet, but we're called to not be ashamed when we suffer. So Christian, don't bottle it up. Christian, don't hold it in. Ask for prayer from your church family. Let us comfort you in the goodness of God in your suffering so that we can then glorify God together. Think of think of our call to worship this morning psalm 124 that says if it had not been the lord who was on our side let israel now say if it had not been the lord who was on our side when people rose up against us then they would have swallowed us up alive for the end of psalm 124 says our help is in the name of the lord who made heaven and earth who's the creator of all things. Friends, entrust your livelihood and your joy to the God who created you, who has saved you in Christ, and is making you new even in trials. Let's look at the second part this household growth in verses 17 to 19. Here's, here's what Peter writes For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good after Peter has just been writing about suffering as a Christian for being harmed for simply being named with Christ we would think that he would remind Christians these exiles in hope that God will judge those who have rejected him and Peter does do that but it isn't what he says next immediately is it In fact, what Peter says is a little bit surprising to our ears. Suffering as a Christian is temporary. It is only a trial. But it is also purposeful and used by God as a judgment. Let that just hit on our minds for a second. I think it's important to see a distinction between being condemned by God and being judged by God. Right, remember Romans 8, 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But not being condemned doesn't mean the same thing as having the judgment of God upon us. Right, everyone will receive the judgment of God, but the difference is whether it will be a purifying judgment or a condemning judgment. There is a difference. Think of Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, right? The believers were coming together to take the Lord's Supper, but they weren't doing it in a way of unity, and they were doing it in a way that looked like they were living like the world, not in accordance to God's word. And so Paul writes to them and says, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Judgment of God, but not condemnation. Instead, we are being disciplined. So for believers, the judgment from God is actually a loving discipline to purify us, to strengthen us, to correct us, but not to condemn us. Remember Hebrews 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So if these trials are actually not God condemning us, but preparing us for himself, then there is a part of our trials that is to purify us, make us to be ready to be with God like a bride adorned for her husband, but but this is a purifying work. God is assessing our lives, seeing where we need to grow, where we need to change, and these trials are meant to purify. They are meant for us to rely less on ourselves, to rely more on God, and then to be shaped more like Christ. So brothers and sisters here at Friendship, We have been saved. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But we are not yet what we will be. We are not yet what we should be. But God is making us into his spiritual house, called to be his people. So think, for example, athletes train. They might learn a new move. They might learn a new shot or a new step. But they also condition they also grind. They also train to be stronger, to be ready for bigger obstacles. Brothers and sisters, God is doing that same work in us through trials. Notice verse 19, the, the, the last verse of our passage. The end goal is to entrust our souls to the faithful creator, to our faithful creator, and to continue to do good in suffering. See, trials are meant to grow our trust in God, not diminish our desire for God. So brothers and sisters, share in your trials with others. It is so easy to be shipwrecked when facing trials and being shipwrecked usually comes when we go through storms alone. We wait until it seems too late before we share with others, so that they, when they know, they see it's crashing, but they're not able to help save the ship. I'm not sure here in Ohio, this landlocked state of ours, if, uh, uh, if you have done much surfing in your life, okay? If you have not, just know it's the opposite of snowboarding, right? So in snowboarding, you steer with the back of your board. In surfing, you steer with the front of your board. Well, the first rule in surfing, Linda, I know you're going to try this in Florida next year, right? The first rule in surfing, before you even learn to get up on the board, is that you don't surf alone. The waves are too crazy to do it by yourself. Maybe here in Ohio we would say this, you don't go skiing by yourself. In fact, there are in Colorado, where I used to work and ski, uh, uh, there were partner skiing passages only. The trees were too thick, the runs were too difficult, that you were not allowed to go there by yourself. Because if you get lost, if you get stuck, they actually had spray painted things on the side of trees, so if you had a cell phone, you could say, I'm in the purple area, or I'm in the orange area of the tree, so they could send a search party out, okay? In surfing, you don't surf by yourself. Neither do you live the Christian life by yourself. We aren't designed to live the Christian life in isolation. We aren't meant to suffer alone because the waves are too crazy to do it by ourselves. We are a body for the good of each other. And we need to do the hard work of sharing our trials with one another. Friends, do not mistake that God's growth of us to prepare us for eternity with Him is always easy, but that it is always worth it as we are being made more in the likeness of Christ, not to be condemned, but to be disciplined and trained. Don't you wonder, though, why Peter says that god would begin judgment with the house of israel like like why is god starting with his own people in fact that that was actually a a pretty common assessment in the old testament uh if you've ever read the book of habakkuk uh my favorite book of the bible uh god tells the prophet habakkuk i'm about to do something that you would not even believe and habakkuk's like good it's about time yo and God says, by the way, those Babylonians that you hate, who are so ungodly, they're going to come and be my judgment towards you, Israel, for your ungodliness. And Habakkuk is like, what? How, why, wh- how dare you make those ungodly people to, to come and bring judgment upon your people? And so this this whole thing in the book of Habakkuk. You should read it. It's worth your time. But it's, uh, it's a question worth asking. Why would the judgment of God begin With his own people. Well, think back to the Old Testament and all the different nations that existed. And yet out of all of the different nations, there was only one that had God's favor. Did you ever think about that? The Ten Commandments, the law of God that, that we look at today and we're like, oh my goodness. He did not give that to the Egyptians. He didn't give that to the Babylonians the law that actually reflects God's character, he gave to only Israel. There was only one nation that had God's favor. It wasn't the Babylonians, it wasn't the Egyptians, it was little pathetic Israel. Israel was to be the picture to the rest of the world of what it looked like to trust God and for God to be in their midst. Christians today, are called to be the picture to the world of lives transformed by God. The church is to display the wisdom of God to the onlooking world. The church is not to display the the greatness of our own ingenuity. The the church is not to be a, a display for the greatness of our already great individuals. No, it's supposed to Display the greatness of God, which is also therefore displaying it in our weaknesses. The church is to display the wisdom of God to the onlooking world, but we make a mockery of God if we look just like the world. In fact, for God to judge the world who doesn't believe or obey the gospel, while his people are supposed to represent him who do believe the gospel, but our lives look just like the rest of the world, then what does that say about God our Father? No, God actually disciplines those whom he loves. So for example, for me, we were at the pool yesterday for like four hours. I had a hat and sunglasses on the whole time so I wouldn't be blistered up for you today. Uh, For me to discipline a random kid for running around the pool while my own kids are running all around the pool, doesn't speak to me very well as a parent. You know what I'm saying? I need to first get my own kids to stop running around the pool dangerously before I ever mention it to someone else. See, God's judgment needs to start with his people, with us. Make no mistake, we're not talking about a walk in the park. This is hard God's judgment of his people might seem harsh, even hard at times, but Peter is right. It will actually be even worse for unbelievers. If it seems hard for Christians who are not condemned, what will be the outcome of those who reject the gospel? The result is going to be disastrous. This is why. The gospel going forward in our community matters. This is why evangelism, why sharing our faith, why inviting people to be forgiven by God matters. We're all created by God, but God doesn't just call us to be his creation. He calls us to be part of his family. And Peter makes clear that there's a distinction in the household of God and those who reject God, though made by him. And this is perhaps the most heartbreaking part of the Christian life, at least for me. I have family members who aren't saved, and it weighs on me. I have neighbors who I really like, but they don't follow Jesus, and it weighs on me. God's judgment, which is real and cannot be stopped, for each person for our lives is a reality and our, sof- our sufficient Savior is in Jesus Christ and that can make it so that we are not condemned and so we are called to make a break with sin, we're called to turn from it and to turn to Jesus in faith but friends there are many who do not believe it and it will be disastrous maybe you're here this morning and, and you're actually not a Christian I wonder who you think you are accountable to in your life, whether from family expectations or societal expectations or or just being a law-abiding citizen. Peter is actually really clear in his letter. Everyone is accountable to God for our lives, for the things that we say, for the things that we do, for the things that we think and desire. If Peter is right, What will God say about your life? See, God's measuring tool isn't whether you're better than your neighbor across the street. God's measuring tool isn't whether you're a better person than someone who shoots up a school. But actually, his measuring tool is whether you measure up with Jesus, the perfect, sinless son of God. And the reality is that no one can measure up to him. So Jesus lovingly went to the cross to become the payment for our rebellion against God, the thing that the Bible calls sin. And so for everyone who places their trust in Jesus' death in their place, we are forgiven and God's judgment becomes a purifying discipline to prepare us to be with him for eternity. Everyone who rejects Jesus will find themselves condemned for their rebellion against God. But all, who, all that can change by turning away from our sin and placing our faith in Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you've even done that, won't you please talk to me today? Don't leave before talking with me. I'd love to help you out with that. Peter's words in verse 18 really put everything into perspective. If the righteous is scarcely saved, then what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Did you see that interesting phrase, though, describing Christians in verse 17? Uh, Peter could have said, describing those who do not believe the gospel of God, but, but that's not what he wrote, did he? Peter actually used the word obey. See, Christian, Peter is calling us to something that he actually believes we should be living out even if imperfectly Uh, peter is calling christians to actually not theoretically but to actually live this out our trust in god has to be more than simply words that we might affirm It's actually to be entrusting God with all of who we are. That's how Peter concludes this section. That our suffering isn't random. It is according to God's will. The God who created everything. The God who has brought us into his household by the blood of Jesus, received by us in faith. Therefore, we can remember that God, who is our creator, is faithful and trustworthy and we can entrust all who we are to him not in theory not only in words but in our lives by continually doing good see that's actually how we know whether we believe it's not in just whether we verbally say it but when our lives demonstrate it we may not understand all that god is doing but we can remember that god is faithful And we have life because God created us, even without our consent. Uh, And so we can trust him with the outcome of our lives when he sent Jesus to the cross on our behalf before we even knew he was going to do that. So brothers and sisters, entrust your livelihood and your joy to the God who created you, who saved you, and is making you new even in trials friends whatever might surprise us in this life suffering as a christian shouldn't god has a purpose in it and we must entrust all who we are to god our faithful creator who cares for us what a good important word we need this morning That we can entrust all of who we are to our faithful creator who cares for you and for me let's pray heavenly father forgive us for the ways that when we suffer we forget that we can trust you father forgive us for the ways that when we suffer we look immediately to other things besides you Oh, Lord, help us to see that we are not condemned if we are hidden in Christ. But that your judgment is then a purifying, temporary, purposeful trial to train us to be fit for heaven, to be the bride ready for her husband. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us the mindset that even in suffering, We can trust you and continue to do good. Lord, would you do that good work in our hearts? We know we need your spirit to transform our lives. God, would you do that by your spirit and in your word in us today? We pray this in Christ's name.